Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the highly acclaimed Imperfectly Perfect podcast. Today, I want to introduce you to special guests who came on early on in the campaign, is a huge advocate towards mental health and starting these hot conversations. So like I do every single week, I'm going to go into a bit of bio before we go straight into the questions. So whether she's surfing, singing or dancing like nobody's watching, Liv Fireland has energy to burn. With a cheeky sense of humor, she has won herself a legion of fans with honesty, positivity and spontaneity. I can't even say that word, spontaneity. (laughs) She is a respected health coach and talented television presenter with undergraduate degrees in psychology and nutrition. She uses a knowledge and passion for health and well-being to present keynote addresses, present at seminars, write columns that benefit female teens and educates young girls on how to love and take care of themselves with a Girls Who Glow workshops alongside Tegan Nash. Together, Liv and Tegan have presented the Girls Who Glow workshops for 13 to 18 year old girls to help them find their inner glow. The cornerstones of these workshops are nutrition, exercise, body image, social media, healthy relationships, and mental health, with expert specialists bought in across all these areas. She made a television debut in 2011 when she became the host of ABC's flagship Studio 3, since then appeared in her own show, Live on the Edge, and emceed events such as the Fun for Kids Festival, Cyber Safety Summit, the Arias Red Carpet, and St Kilda Festival, has hosted Eleven's music show, The Loop, alongside Scott Tweedy in 2019. She worked with Discover Japan to create the digital series Discover Japan. See, I can't even say this word. I'm going to butcher it. Okinawa with Lifa. Okinawa. <laughs> and co-hosted two special for the Network 10 for the Air New Zealand and Tourism New Zealand. So firstly, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. But firstly, I would like to say, my God, everyone should have an opportunity to have their life read back to them because <laughs> you know more about my life than I know about it because that was very in-depth. Well done. Good research. And uh, thank you. <laughs> I feel so much cooler. Until I, until I couldn't even say some of those words. I was like, <laughs> well, spontaneity. <laughs> spontaneity in Okinawa. Exactly. Um, oh, how amazing is Japan? So how amazing is Japan? <laughs> Oh, incredible. Yeah. yeah, it was my first time I went and it was with work. So uh, we went we went twice and um, it was amazing. And Okinawa was really cool. I know this is an interesting way to start the podcast. Um, <laughs> it's like this fusion of all different countries. Like you don't really feel like you're in Japan. It's got a little taste of, of everything, a bit of Hawaii mixed in there. So, um, yeah, it was really cool. But anyway, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm so glad we've reconnected because it's been, um, what has it been, a couple of years since we did the photos and the campaign? Yeah, well, the campaign's now going to three years. You believe it's gone so fast. But yeah, like, again, first and foremost, thank you for coming on. I reached out to you when you were straight on board and we caught up and you was like, I'm all about this and, and what you do. So I'm going to go into that. But what I like to do first is, even reading that bio, like the accolades and the achievements, the highlights that we see, you're so passionate behind the scenes about bringing this, this conversation, these hard conversations to the mm-hmm. forefront. Um, you talk openly, you have got a, a background in psychology in that, but 
what is your why? Why are these conversations? Because you utilize your platform for mm-hmm. really good and like such achievements that you've done with Girls Who Glow. But what? who's the person behind Girls Who Glow and I suppose the persona that we see on TV? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this because it's a conversation I have with a lot of people and, and a lot of close friends have actually brought it up recently um, who have said, you know, some of the closest people in my life or, or a partner who have said, Liv, before I got to know you properly, when I just saw the work you did or how much you spoke out about mental health or the work you do with um, One Wave is All It Takes, which is a mental health um, charity. And they said, I just assumed, you know, you had gone through these really big mental health issues yourself. Um, and it wasn't until I got to know you that it is actually, you know, that there's there's more to it than that. And then I suppose it really opened my eyes to the fact that some people think that you can't be a huge mental health advocate unless you've gone to, you know, the bottom of a mental health issue. Um, and so I suppose for me, I, I just want to sort of point out, you know, I haven't had, um, you know, depression as such or crippling anxiety, but I'm a human and I've gone through high highs and low lows and I've gone through days or weeks or months of, of feeling like I'm in a rut or feeling devastated or going through grief. And I think it's really important, important to point that out because I, I don't want to mislead people and there's no stigma around, my God, I'd be the first to say if I was clinically diagnosed with something, um, I, I, I spend my life trying to break down that stigma, but I also don't want to be misleading because people who have to deal with that every single day and have a chemical imbalance or have some really hard stuff that they're going through, I don't want to be sitting here being like, I've got depression. No, 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 Liv, you we're really down because you're human and that's what we call the roller coaster of life. So I suppose I I've had my moments of feeling like life's really hard and and life is hard. There's so there's so many aspects that make it hard, but I also just think in those moments imagine living with this every single day or or feeling like there wasn't an out or there wasn't going to be sunshine tomorrow or whatever that might be. I've also grown up with so many close people in my life, like the closest that it gets, whether that be family members or family friends or my best friends or, you know, whoever it is that have had crippling mental illnesses um, in every single area of mental health um you know split personality disorders anxiety depression eating disorders um and some that just you know haunt their day a little bit every day or have ended up in hospital um constantly back and forth or who have lost their lives to it and I suppose there's that facet um um, to it but also because I just think so many people go through mental health struggles at some point in their life. Why isn't this spoken about more? Why is the stigma not dropped more? And if I can have a platform that can speak openly about daily struggles or um, mental health issues, I want to be doing it. And I want to be connecting with people and hearing their stories and, 
you know, doing my little tiny part to bring some joy or to bring some help or to bring a connection for them to get help, like whatever it is, I want to play my part. So that is why I am so passionate about it. <laughs> Love it. I do. And I think even that, like you say, the, the spectrum of mental health, it comes in all shapes and sizes. It affects us all. And that's one thing I'm always predominantly saying with the campaign. It's no, no shoe size fits all. It's we can have been infected directly or indirectly. But look at that. The, the ultimate thing in leadership and, and like we'll, we'll touch upon later, your coaching and everything like that. But it's, it's literally utilizing. If you've got a platform, utilizing it, you've got a voice. And, and sometimes you don't need to have a platform to have a voice. We're all capable of speaking out on the topics. But moving forward with that, you've got such a voice that then you, you transitioned with Tiga Nash into doing Girls Who Glow. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I would love to. So to explain where Girls Who Glow was born, I suppose I born from, I suppose I need to give a bit of context about um, what I've studied, what I've done, and then why it came about and how it came about. So when I was at school, I wanted to be a TV presenter and I, I love the fact that you got to entertain, but you got to be yourself and you got to speak passionately about something, but it was still a form of entertainment and you didn't really have to put this mask on. And I know a lot of actors and actresses, that's why they love it. But for me, I didn't want to have to put this mask on. Like I wanted to connect with people. So that was really exciting when I realized that's what I wanted to do how to get into it, a whole nother story. So I kind of got to year 12, didn't know um, how to get into presenting. And I thought, you know what, it's such a volatile and difficult industry. Why don't I go and do something else and study something that I love and am really passionate about and kind of work on presenting it on the side? And I'm so glad I did because for that, um, for me, that was psychology. So I went to uni, I did a double degree of psych and occupational therapy, and I got to my third year. And as much as I loved it, I didn't feel like for me, it's something that I I wanted to practice. I thought maybe I'd go into speech or OT or I didn't know exactly, but I still had this burning desire to be a presenter and to tell stories. And um, so at the end of my third year of psych, when I was graduating from the undergrad degree, I applied for a massive kids um, network called ABC3, which was a dream of mine to do. And so when I went into that, um, I obviously got the job sorry I forgot that step <laughs> so when I rocked up for work um so that's such a funny and hilarious um story in itself but it takes too much time so we'll skip right ahead got the job somehow had never been in front of the camera so they took a massive risk got the job started working in tv and absolutely loved it like I can't rave about that job more um but I got sort of my first or second year into the job and I just was, I was kind of missing the health and well-being side of things. Um, and I knew that I was always going to have this passion and I was always wanting to give more. Like I love TV and it gives me this, it gives me that fire inside of me, but I knew that I needed an added element where I felt like I was connecting and giving back and, really passionate about what I was talking about. So 
I started studying with integrate um, with integrative nutrition. Sorry, I started studying integrative nutrition, um, and that gave me my um, health coaching certificate. So at the time, I didn't really take on clients because I was working full time, but I did it more for just interest sake and because I was passionate about it. And it was cool because, you know, I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I'm glad that I'm still learning and I'm, I'm sort of sinking my teeth into that area. So it's, I've, I've always done something like with TV, I've always had something on the side to kind of fulfill that, mm-hmm. to fulfill that need for me. And I started getting this small, small profile um, of young teen girls. And with that, came a lot of messages through social media about, and, and I didn't have a big following at all, um, especially back then. I, I still don't, but I had a, a very small following then. And messages started to flow in with uh, concerning everything, you know, bullying, uh, cyberbullying, body image, depression, anxiety, um, how to manage social media, how to manage studying, stress, family issues. Like it was just constant and I suppose that just gave me more awareness of just where we're going with this generation and it's getting harder and harder and and keep in mind this was eight or nine years ago like maybe eight years ago and so I was starting to see this shift and I was looking at my life and and by no means was it perfect no means was my upbringing perfect you know like but I was looking at how I tried to live each day which was balance in every area of my life and I'd done that since I was really little and and the other thing was having this huge sense of play and I just really tried to nurture that constantly and I looked at where teens were going and I was like oh my god they feel like they have to just throw away this sense of play and they have to grow up so quickly and they have to fit this mold and they have to fit this societal expectation and they're getting all these misleading false expectations every single day through social media or whatever it is. And it broke my heart. And I think from that moment, I was like, if I'm about to, you know, if I'm going to continue staying in the media um, and, and pursuing this career right in this moment, I'm making a pledge to use this platform and to, have a responsibility to teach and connect and to help these girls find that sense of youth and to sense sense of security and playfulness and all these things that they feel like they need to give up so I would write back to these messages um every day Mm. and there was one message that was like you know how you have a threshold for everything in life and there's always just one thing that pushes you over (laughs) yeah this was it. And I just, I wish I still had the message somewhere and hadn't lost it. And I wish I knew who this girl was because I would, I just want to thank her and I want to see if she's okay. And anyway, she sent me a message and it was really long and it was just one that broke me. And I remember at 6am sitting on my bedroom floor, replying, crying and just been so moved by it and I can't even remember why or what it was specifically but I wrote her this essay essay back and pulled my phone away pulled myself together and went for a walk before I went um into the studios and I just 
was walking along and I was like, there's got to be something like I'm so passionate about living your life to the best of your ability. And I'm passionate about mental health. And I've got this demographic now, like there's got to be something I've just finished studying coaching. Like, what is it that I want to do? Why did that move me? And why did it feel fulfilling and rewarding to feel like I might've given her one slight little bit of encouragement to get help or whatever it was. So I'm walking along and I thought, what is health and happiness to me? It is so multidimensional. You know, it's not just your food. It's not just your mindset. It's not just exercise. It's, it's the way you see your body and it's the, you know, it's, it's mental health and it's exercise. It's um, your diet. It's your relationships. It's just every facet of your life. It's your study. It's your career. And that means we need to delve into all of them. And so in that moment, I thought I want to create a full day workshop where we cover all of these, all of these issues that we are faced with every single day. And that is where Girls Who Glow was born or the idea. And like anything, I then didn't know how to start it. You go through waves of like, I'm so motivated and excited to put this out into the world. And then the next day you're like, have you heard of imposter syndrome? (laughs) So I went through that for about, you know, six months or something. I then got a job up in Sydney. I moved and I started this this glam a slightly more glamorous job where it was like you know you're going to events and parties and I kind of got caught up in it not in a bad sense of just like any sense of where you are fitting into a new job and you're meeting new people and you're settling into a new environment and this workshop idea kind of was just put on the back burner because I didn't know how to start and I felt really overwhelmed so I then met my beautiful friend Teagsy at an event and within seconds we connected and a week later we caught up and she was studying nutrition. She was working on Saturday Disney. She had the same ambitions to connect with a teen audience and to help them and um, she was also getting heaps of messages and I sort of told her this idea for workshops and I just saw it in her eyes. And with seven minutes, within seven minutes of really getting to know this girl, I was like, should we be business partners? And do you want to do this? <laughs> and it was just, it was just the feeling. I was like, you know what? I want to share this experience. And it's been so beautiful because from that moment, we made Girls Who Glow come to life. And we talk about it in our workshops of like, especially in females comparison is that thief of joy which is always spoken about and competitiveness but Teagues and I you know we could have looked at each other and been like so lovely to meet you bye and gone away and been like this girl is the same age we're in the same industry we're both on kids channels we both want the same thing we've studied the same thing and raced against each other but instead we swallowed that little bit of pride or ego or whatever you want to call it and we came together and we made magic and we combined our demographics and our brains and our strengths and our weaknesses and we get to share all the highs and lows and when one of us is at our worst, the other one steps up and when another person isn't feeling great, the other person's like, I've got your back, girl, you know, like so it's this beautiful dynamic that we can illustrate to the girls. Um, So, yeah, that's been our baby for five years now. 
It's yeah, and I was looking more into it, obviously, when you told me. And again, I was just before this looking more and like you partnered with the Sebastian Foundation, you've had incredible speakers, you've toured. Have you gone online now, transitioned during COVID? Yeah, it's been hard. So the workshops, like I said, they're these full day workshops and we bring in like eight guest speakers, you know, um, actresses, presenters, influencers, motivational speakers, Paralympians, like just these people that these girls idolise and look up to and think that this is so perfect for what your campaign is, but it's like these people that we put on pedestals or we think their life is perfect or they're um, bulletproof or they don't have the full range of emotions that we do. We think that and so we get them to come to this day where we know that they have powerful stories, we know that they're transparent and real and have so much more to give and they get up there and they share their stories and they say, you might watch me on Home and Away every single night or, you know, follow me on Instagram along with 500 other thousand people but I suffer depression every single day and this is how I deal with it and it breaks that wall and you watch the girls be like, oh my God, then like, I'm not alone. Or like my idol feels this, like, I don't feel as stupid about this or whatever it is. So having those speakers has kind of been, it's kind of been our point of difference almost where we like, you know, that we get these people with profiles for a reason, not because we want it to be this like glamour fest or whatever. It's because we want to break down this stigma and to, realize that everyone is going through something and um, that you're not alone. And and so I think having those in-person workshops are really powerful because we can hug the girls and we can sit down and face-to-face hear their stories and spend a full day connecting. And there's nothing that is ever going to be able to beat that. But last year we did, we didn't necessarily take our workshops online, but we did, a thing called morning cuppers. So we would do really small scale ones so that everyone could share their stories. And it was more just about connection. Um, and that was super powerful. It was um, it was heartbreaking, but it was, it was really powerful. And then this year we have tried to put some on, especially in Victoria. We were meant to have one a couple of weeks. We were meant to have a few a couple of weeks ago and had to pull them um, with the latest outbreak. So it, it is hard, but yeah, there is there is a big dream um, to put together like an online program and to start doing some live ones. Um, but yeah, I, I can't wait to get back into schools and to get back into our private workshops as well. I think, um, I, I just think it's absolutely amazing like what you do. And I, I totally get where you're coming from that because initially when I started the campaign you'd have the messages and go why celebrities their lives are perfect and I think Mm. exactly how you just said it there the reason that I've gone with public figures across the sectors is because we think we're so far separated and disconnected and you just you bring it and I'm going to ask you this question because sometimes when I put on workshops and, uh, and big things like that it isn't the fact of who's speaking or anything but you're you've done it in person so you'll get this but what is that feeling like for you? Because I know what it's like for me where you can just literally, you're not speaking, but you sit back and you watch what you've created, this human connection, and you're just like, whoa, this, the shivers that I get. What Do you know what I mean? When you're, you're just watching people speak and then you just see people just 
the tears come and it's that human element that you're just like, this is special. It's unlike anything. Everything else is a byproduct, like my presenting my, what you do in that. That's it's so like, true. Oh, it literally like, that's just made me feel slightly emotional. Um, we're in lockdown, so bear with me, but <laughs> literally like anything I'm like, like I'm coaching people at the moment and they share something and I'm like, I'm so sorry. But just, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not a great coach because I'm so empathetic and like, but like I just feel it, you know, I feel yeah. so, that's just so many feelings. No, what, what that is making me uh, a bit emotional about it in such a beautiful way is um, I think when you put on an event like we do or or you do and anyone who has ever put on any type of event personally I commend you what an what a nightmare but it's just there's so much more to it than you expect and Teagsy and I have basically run like a two-woman ship for five years we have had beautiful support here and there along the way but we have worn every hat we would love to be able to spend most of our time on the content and um and what we say and what we do but we spend so we obviously make sure that is perfect but we spend majority of our time doing all the admin and you know messaging all the brands for goodie bags and organizing catering and um you know venues and PR we do just a month of like solid PR of getting the word out there and trying to sell tickets and get people there because we know once they're there it's going to change their life or you know it's it's going to bring some value to their life so we wear you know the event planners how do we a PR person and um the content creators and you know we're booking all of our speakers flights and accommodation and it's it's there's so much more to it than people see and that's been great. I've learned so many skills from that, but it can sometimes feel like I'm being really transparent here. Why have we put on such a premium event? <laughs> because <laughs> no one knows. Like there's only so much you can say on a flyer, which is like come for an empowerment workshop. Like it doesn't have the breakdown of every speaker and what we're going to be delving into and how deep it gets and how um, moving it gets. You can't say all that when you're trying to give a one sentence spiel so it is sometimes hard like hard to be like oh you know we're putting all this time and effort in but is it any different to if we you know did it with just us or one speaker does that make sense and I and I, I know that this sounds like a really awful thought to have but I only have had that when I'm in the trenches of it of like you know and Teezy and I are just like God, like, are we going to get it over the line? Like, are we going to get people there? And it, it can just sometimes feel like, why don't people know, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And we get to the day of the event and we just hit our strides. And you know that feeling of just being like, I was put on this earth to do this. And every time we have started the day or throughout the day, or I'm even sitting back watching one of our speakers. I just have that strong feeling of like, literally this is why I am here. And, and I know that sounds so full on, but I feel it within every fiber of my being. And it makes everything, every one of those tiny thoughts of like, this is so hard or like, are we, like, is it worth it or whatever? 
and to connect with the girls. And then there's this moment at the end. So we sort of work towards mental health towards the end of the day, because obviously you want people to be feeling open and, and um, confident and comfortable and safe. And those conversations and what happens in those moments is so moving. And then we kind of finish the day, we bring it back up and we have this moment at the end where, you know, we have 50 to 100 girls surrounding us and we have our hands and Teagsy and I are in the middle and we say, um, I am brave, I am strong, I am beautiful, girls who glow. And and everyone sort of repeats after us and we do this big chant thing and it sounds very cultish right now, but it's not. It's so beautiful and it's so loud and everyone's, we're at the bottom and everyone's around us. And Teagsy and I, as we're saying it and just the volume with everybody repeating these affirmations around us and you've had such an emotional and beautiful moving day and you've spent months working up to this one event and we just look at each other and we just have tears running down our face and we just look at each other and we're like, this is why we do it and we're going to do it all over again. And so that is the feeling that I get in those moments. And I've just started coaching and I was so scared leading up to it. And that's why I did it because I want to scare myself and I want to help people and, and, you know, like just do it. And it's interesting of like, I look at how nervous I was because, you know, what if I disappoint people or what if I fail? What if I don't do the right thing or say the right thing? And, and I've, you know, been only doing it for like a few weeks now or whatever. And every time I'm just like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like there's so much, there's such a human element to what I'm doing at the moment. And, and I think that's with Girls Who Glow, that's with what you're doing. It's with the coaching that we do. Like it's just, it takes what you do to a whole new level beautiful just listening to it because I can feel that energy and passion off you and it's just even like like you say people see the external even with a campaign and I even posted today and I was like make sure you're checking on your strong friends because I hit a wall at one point and I was just like what people don't see is like I've got kids I've got a mortgage I've got this I'm trying to put events on I'm trying to do this all people see is like your job the the celebrity side of it that all but doing an event my God, like, but I have actually learned along the way, like most spiritual stuff started happening for me and I was just being open to it. And I hit a wall at one point where I was like, how can I keep going? Like, I'm, I'm like, it's obviously been pushed. It keeps on growing. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And then I actually learned a lesson and it was put to me that Glenn, you're learning what it feels like to be broken. So it's enabling you to help people better. Yeah. So you understand yeah. And then a, yeah. few, a few months ago, I went through a whole different lesson of learning what it must be like for people like yourself in the public eye and corporate leaders, millionaires. You don't know who's real around you. You don't know who's your friend. And there was a point I was going, do people want to know me for Glenn or do they just want to know because I've created a platform and I'm, I'm, I'm getting to know people in the public? And I was like, I don't like this. What's so? And then I was taught that lesson again going, yeah, but Glenn, do you see how it's working? You were you were brought to your knees, you've learned that aspect, and now you're trying to show that we're all the same. So you've actually been shown what it's like for these group of people. 
And I was like, this is bloody too hard. This. <laughs> like, but, yeah, Hi, this, Universe. Thank you so much for all the lessons. But if we could rein it in for a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I, I did want to touch upon, because people don't realise that, like, they'll see your job and they'll see all that presenting and everything like that. They don't realise how hard that is. And even me doing this, I always joke at the beginning of a podcast to say, I'm not professional, but a little joke about one of your good friends that I know. So Manny Kennedy, when we first went on that TV show, it was my first ever. And I remember saying to Marnie, she's in the green room with it. And I was so nervous to the point. And I turned to Marnie and I was like, well, Marnie, what do you do? And she was like, I don't know. I'm not a presenter. I've never done live TV. <laughs> and that's coming from a trained actress who's been in it for years. And I was like, I was sat. And there was the two presenters at the TV screen in front of me. And I saw everyone's image popping up. And in my head, I'm going, they look amazing. My image is on screen. And then this next minute, <laughs> this guy shot through and he was like, in three, two, one, you're live. Beginning of that segment, you'll see my eyes going, where the, am I supposed to be looking at? <laughs> oh, man. Like you my know life. what? We're all just faking it till we make it. I had a conversation yesterday with somebody that, is a dear friend of mine and is very much um, and ironically messaging at the moment. <laughs> that was good timing. Um, I'm like, are you listening to us? Um, and we were having a conversation about imposter syndrome and he is very um, successful. I am doing my little inverted commas here. Um, Bunny is very successful and um, confident and, you know, very much a, um, in a public figure. And I said, oh, I'm going to a workshop on imposter syndrome and an inner critic. And uh, he was like, oh, God, I get that so intensely. And I was like, I've known you for seven years. What do you mean? Yeah. And, um, and he was like, are you joking? Like before this, before this job, before this job. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what, like, what, do, you, what do you do? And he was like, oh, some of the most successful or like the people that we just think are the most confident people like have some of the most crippling yeah. imposter syndrome or like, and you just rock up and you just sort of, you know, fumble your way through it until you start to believe it or you start to just like get confident at it. So it's so interesting. And like you said, Marnie, for example, like sitting next to you, she's this she's an actress and she was like eight years old <laughs> and she's a brilliant actress and she's br a brilliant speaker, yeah. but you'll watch, she's one of our speakers for girls who glow and she's uh, like one of my best friends, but she would have ha had at that moment that you looked at her, she would have had a red rash, um, not a rash. Like it's like a heat rash that she breaks out in every time she gets slightly nervous so the poor thing hers physically manifests and um comes out so like even during her talk of girls who glow which she feels like comfortable at and you know it's not super intimidating but you just watch this red you know heat rash just rise across her and she's like it's doing it isn't it and I'm like yeah it does it's okay we just keep moving on so um but I just wanted to point out what you were talking about and I love that you're being so honest about you know at the end of the day you've got kids and you've got the mortgage and you've got stresses and and that's that thing like you know you watch um someone on tv or you think someone has so much money so you know why would they have mental health issues or you follow someone who has millions of followers so like their life must be perfect but at the end of the day, and, and I know we hear this all the time, it's like a broken record, but 
it's as simple as constantly reminding us that we do not know what someone is going through. The person that doesn't, you know, have much money in the bank or is living a really simple life, their mindset might be absolutely phenomenal at the moment. And so they're actually really happy. But that person that has all the shiny things, you know, they might be going through heartbreak and loss or, you know, crippling depression you do not know what somebody is going through and um you know a a number on instagram or the fact that they've just posted a good bikini shot or whatever like you don't know that they're not posting that from six weeks ago and that they're not in trackies absolutely a blubbery mess and sure maybe they should share that more but also they're allowed to have privacy and go through their issues and their life with those things in private and and I've had those moments of conflicting feelings of like I'm really struggling at the moment do I feel like this is the time for me to be recording everything um and put it posting to Instagram for me personally that's not my time because I want to feel it and process it and then afterwards I actually when I feel like I'm more on the outside um other side of it and I feel a bit stronger that's where I like to reflect and to talk about maybe what I went through how I came out of it and what I learned and so that is how I like to approach it but I think it's giving people that grace of like it is a highlight reel and that's why your photos illustrate it so well it's like we see you know the highlight reel of someone's glamorous photo from the logies or whatever it is in a beautiful dress but like you you then show this really raw side um, of, of a person and, and that's what we all have in us, no matter the likes or followers or, you know, our bank account or whatever it is. And I, I love that this campaign, especially all these conversations we have, um, you know, illustrate that and bring it to life um, and just keep reminding us of that. Um, so yeah, I, I love that you mentioned that because last year for me was a year where it wasn't in the spotlight as much. Like, you know, I wasn't, I'd been on TV for 11 years straight and all of a sudden I wasn't. And, um, you know, I've had a year of people constantly being like, oh, so you gave up TV. And I'm like, no, I've been actually or like, oh, you must have no money in your bank account or like whatever. And, and it got to a point where I was like, I'm actually... I've worked harder than I ever have. It was just because I'm building the blocks of my future, which isn't always glamorous when you're sitting at your desk 24 seven. And I extreme, you know, experienced extreme brain burnout from that and physical burnout, which people didn't see. And, you know, um, there were so many high highs and low lows last year that I was like, it's so interesting that we live in a society and an age where we want this instant glorification and gratification and people want to see shiny things and like it just happened overnight. And I struggled with that last year. I struggled with, I tried to create three businesses and I tried to do them all at the same time, which meant none of them could come to life because I burnt out. And I was devastated that at the end of the year, I couldn't show, I couldn't be like, surprise, this is what I was actually doing. I created this incredible lifestyle business, which was ready to launch and it failed or it fell through last minute. Or, you know, the reason I'm not on TV is because my whole year of shoots when I went into a different, you know, I went into travel TV instead of music TV, 
they all got pulled because of the pandemic. And I felt like I spent the entire year trying to prove myself to like family members checking in and friends and people on social, randoms on social media of like what I do now. And I was like, how crazy that I have worked harder than I've ever worked. I've almost reached these pinnacles where I was going to have something huge to show for all my hard work. And I was so in ego at the end of the year Mm. of one, yes, it's disappointing. And it was hard to look back and be like, I've got, I've worked so hard and none of it could come to fruition because I tried to do it all or I just burnt out and I kept pushing and pushing and pushing, but also like, why do I need to prove myself? And why did I feel the need to show something overnight? But we're just so used to seeing these shiny images and these shiny launches and shiny products and businesses. And it's like, I'm now seeing the traction and I'm now seeing things come to life for me, but it's been a year and a half working on them. And now people go, oh, you know, people who now know what I'm doing with my career and I'm, I'm sort of running four businesses and they're like oh you're doing really well and I'm like yeah but it took a million speed humps and a million failures and a million burnouts or whatever it is to get to a place where I finally feel on track and I finally feel motivated and energized and it's just yeah it, it that was just a huge learning curve of like people just assume things from from what they see and if they can't see you on a tv show or if they can't see mm-hmm. your shiny launch of an ambassador ambassadorship or whatever it is then you're not successful and you're not achieving things and you're not earning money so like it's just perception was a huge learning curve for me last year wow I just, I just, it, it comes back to this whole notion that like we really do need to remove what society puts out and expectations and just take it back to being more mindful. Because at the end of the day, like you said there, hitting walls, burnout. I will ask you though, from everything that you did, can you look back on those times now, personally, take away everybody else and see that as a lesson that maybe you just weren't ready and you're in a better position now was you trying to control things? And the reason I ask you this is because you're very self-aware. What I noticed along my journey was I was trying to control things. That's where I was also hitting pearls. And when I surrendered, things tended to flow. And I had people in my ear going, Glenn, it's like two and a half years now. Like, are you making money off it? Are you doing this? Are you doing this? And I was like, why is everyone such in a rush to get like, I have built some incredible relationships with some of the best people around it takes one person for longevity to make this into like whatever it's going to be. You're like, I've got a vision for it, but everybody else seemingly they want a little piece of it to go. What, where is it going? What are you doing? What are you? Okay. People want it created yesterday. Exactly. And the hard work. So yeah, that question to you there is, is Mm. can you look back on that now and go, you know what? Maybe I wasn't ready. Every single thing that happened okay that's a lie like some things were like gut-wrenching and I'm like oh it would have been still nice if it happened but everything I'm like I'm I'm so grateful for it you know but but what you're saying the noise that we allow um to sort of impact us is 
is scary and and you've got these people in your in your ear as well as your own voice being like where is it you've got to prove something or you've got to have be earning this much but like look at some of the most successful people or the most successful businesses and and look at how long they actually took to become an overnight success honestly go and google it because I could sit here and like rattle off a million of them but you know and the people who got knocked back a million times or told that they're not smart enough or creative enough, like, hello, Walt Disney, not creative enough. Like, hello, Oprah Winfrey. She had too many, like, emotions or feelings. So, like, she wouldn't be right for that sort of job. Or do you know what I mean? And, like, look where it took them. And so I kind of love hearing those stories and looking at them and being like, you know, the people of these huge businesses are like, cool, you think we were an overnight success. We've actually been doing it for 12 years and finally got traction last year, but now we're an overnight success. Like there are so many sacrifices and pushbacks that you are going to get. But I promise you that it somehow in this weird, messed up, complex, exhausting way directs you to where you're meant to go. So I look back at like my year, for example, where, yeah, of course I'm annoyed at sometimes like letting that noise make me go too fast or making me feel like I couldn't step back or I am going to be the first to admit that I have had to work on that I go into <laughs> overcompensation mode. Uh, it's it's known in every aspect of my life. It's a running joke with my friends. Like you've got an awkward social situation, cute Liz. I will overcompensate something chronic but I also do it in um in every sense career pandemic bushfire happened I went into not just donating a little bit of money I went into I have to use all my resources to put on this huge benefit concert so I you know I was calling every big Australian um, singer, band, whoever it was. And I started doing like agreements and contracts and working with the council and um, liquor licenses and, and sponsors and riders and talking to management. I was also trying to work mine and my host, co-host who had just left. I was trying to work both of our jobs and I was doing all the social media for a friend who had gone into the jungle and I'm a celebrity. And I was in this like panic mode of like, but I've got to give back and I've got to do and I've got to do something to give back to what is happening in the world. And I don't know how to put on a large scale, huge benefit concept, but I worked at it around the clock on top of my other work for three to four weeks. And like every pushback I got from the council, I found a way around it. And yes, I'm grateful for what it taught me and the skills it taught me. But no one knew that I was doing that because I didn't want to be this person that, you know, posted on social media because that takes away exactly why I was doing it. But I went through that where every time I'd be, you know, we got the all clear and I somehow found a way around it and we just all came together. I had board meetings in Bondi with all these people from like, you know, Westpac Bank and no one knew that I was doing this and it was going to be this amazing concert that raised all this money and had so much significance and there was so much heartfelt um it wasn't just music there was so much to it 
And every time I got knocked back, I crawled back up and I was like, resilience, like I'm so proud of myself. And then everything was going ahead. And then I got a final call from the council going, I'm so sorry. I've told you the wrong thing. We actually can't get it off. And I'm using this as this was kind of like the start. And I just, it was like, I just pushed myself back from my desk and I just burst into tears. And I was still working at the loop and, and I was, I was devastated. And that was my first thing of the year where I had this huge sense of failure and no one knew that I went through that whole process. And I know it's not a big deal, but like for me, I gave it so much, so many times. And I felt like I'd failed. I'd failed all these artists that had agreed. This was before any benefit concert had even started being top spoken about, you know, like I think I called Guy Sebastian at 7am on a Sunday morning on like the 2nd of January. Like it was, you know, it was this thing that I was like, I went through that privately and that's fine. It should have been a private thing. Mm -hmm. And then the next week I lost my job because the loop finished up and I found out a day before we finished. And that as much as I knew it had nothing to do with the hosts or the ratings or anything, it starts to subconsciously come under these tabs of failure, even though they're not. I then came out of a relationship and then I failed that supposedly in my subconscious mind. And, and then I went into travel presenting and then a pandemic hit. So all that got pulled. But do you see what I mean? Like yes, I then everything. started, it's layers. And I started developing um, oops something that I'm now back doing. And I worked on that around the clock for four months. And then I stepped away to start another business uh, with a friend and that felt right. And I put this thing on the side and then she pulled out all of a sudden, just before we were sort of working towards the launch and everything crumbled. And every time throughout the year, I was like, this is why that finished. I'm on track. This is why that finished. I'm on track. I picked myself up every time, but it got towards the end. And I realized I was actually putting those under the failure tabs, even though they weren't, I could rationalize why they weren't failures but my body and was feeling it as failure and so I suppose there was such like I said highs and lows of last year where I felt the most creative I've ever felt um lockdown was amazing for that where you weren't giving your energy to every place and everything and every um person and I I realized I was business savvy and that I was creative and I had all these brilliant ideas but I couldn't execute any of them properly last year because I didn't actually allow myself to just breathe and to just stop pushing. And so I got to the end of the year and I went to launch this lifestyle range and I had one final thing fall through with the manufacturers overseas. And I just, again, the closing of the laptop is very symbolic and it was almost December and I realized it wasn't going to arrive in time for Christmas. And I just closed it. And I said, it's a final pushback that I need. Sometimes you've got to push through and sometimes you need to read the room and just tap out. And I stepped away and I thought I've pushed so much this year. And I feel like I don't have anything to show for it. And I'm now going to take a big Christmas break and I'm not going to hustle. And I'm not going to network and I'm not going to create and I'm not going to try and build or prove myself to anybody or mainly myself. And that was the best thing I've ever done. 
I spent so much time back in the country, back with my family, water skiing, you know, on the farm. And I then all of a sudden organically without setting a date, just had clarity. I reprioritized. I had to cut one business. I just put actionable steps under every single one of them. I found my love for them again. And I walked, I came, drove back into Sydney on fire. It had been maybe six weeks all up. And I was just like, I knew what I needed to do. I had direction. I had clarity. And so ever since, whenever I start to feel that fog and the overwhelm, I now step back because I know that sometimes slowing down can make you move forward so much quicker. So that's my life story. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm loving this conversation. I've got two more questions for you. <laughs> so I hope you right. got- I'll try and keep them a bit quicker. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm loving the conversation. And But even what you said there, like it, it's so funny, the, the serendipitous, like how much it's resonating with me mm. of what I've got. And just listening to your story and I'm just like, someone gave me this piece of wisdom advice, which it sounds like you was going through that. We are people who are empathetic and compassionate and we love to give. Like if we're not giving a hundred percent, we may as well get, that's where I go yeah. to as well. Yeah. And, um, but first of all, what you did, the benefit concert to get that off the ground, I take my heart off to you because like <laughs> no event is one thing. And then to try and woo, I can only imagine. But yeah. I was told it's at one point, there's something, the universe, whatever you want to call it, is doing these no's because it's telling you you need to step back because what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to fill your bucket so it overflows and you can help other people. Yeah. However, yeah. when your bucket, and it sounds like yours, live were they weren't even sanding the bottom of the bucket because you'd given out too much and you weren't able to. And maybe that was just, I know I went through it, that, that where I was brought to my knees, it sounded like you did going close the laptop you need to you need to work and, on it, and it's interesting because it can um manifest in in so many ways so mine in and like you know I remember when I went up to the gold coast I went up there for three days and I ended up staying for four or five months and just lived up there but right. you know I'd, I'd been really struggling a little bit before then and then I got up there and everything just worked like I had the energy I had this new business venture and my best friend and I were working on it. And I had, um, it just felt like that's where I was supposed to be. And I remember feeling so on track and then, you know, cut to two months later, things started to crumble, you know, like um, relationship -wise, business wise, business-wise, but that was fine. And then I think if I was at full capacity, which I, you know, work on with my clients all the time, but it's, you can kind of keep moving forward because you're not thrown off balance. Mm. I look back as of October, as of October last year, or like starting in September, I went through like crippling fatigue. So people were still seeing these um, videos and, and photos of me like surfing and having fun and like doing stuff on the weekend. But I suppose what they weren't seeing was like during the week, I was actually just at my desk from, you know, seven in the morning all day or I couldn't lift my limbs because I was so not exhausted from like working or like doing activities I just had this there's a very different there's a massive difference and this was another lesson I learned last year between like tired and and exhausted and genuine fatigue mm -hmm. and I couldn't work it out like I thought I'd slowed down a little bit more since I went up there and and I was like no, no, no. And, and I didn't 
believe it. And so that's why, again, I didn't share that side of my life because I thought I was kind of going crazy where I was like, this isn't me. I normally bound out of bed and I literally like have to feel like I need to go back 10 minutes later. And what I should have done when I started seeing these signs after three to four weeks, I probably should have been like, all right, I'm potentially suffering from chronic fatigue. Stop. Mm -hmm. Like read the signs. Please just stop. But I pushed and pushed, but you're not really moving forward because everything's working against you. So you're not relaxing and regrouping and you're not moving forward. And that's what I like to call stuck. And that's how I felt so many times last year. Um, and it's what I fear going back to. So this this year, now I'm so alert with my adrenals because I had such bad adrenal fatigue that I'm like, are my adrenals flared up? Was that fatigued or am I just tired? And and now I really, really am on top of it because I refuse to go back to feeling like that. And um, and now I look and, and I, I love that thing that you were saying of like, you know, everything sort of happens for a reason, like that notion. And and obviously there's times in life that things happen and, and that I don't like that saying everything happens for a reason, you know, especially with death and stuff like that. Like, no, that's just really shit. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like there's most things that happen that like adversity or things that fail are deemed as failure. There's always, there's always a reason. Like I'm so glad that that lifestyle range didn't get off the ground because that actually would have been my entire life. Whereas now I get to do four different things in the health and wellness space because they all can kind of complement each other. Um, and maybe I'll do that lifestyle range in five years time or when I've got kids or um, just when I've kind of set everything else up. And there's just always this moment, whether it be a week later, <clears throat> you know, six months later or two years later where you go, that's why I went through that. Or like, thank God, because it led to that. And so it's always keeping in mind that like what you're going through sucks. Do not take away your, and like validate your feelings, but kind of know, like, I wonder when it'll show up. And, and sometimes I'm like, I'd love it to show up soon so that I know the reason. And <laughs> <laughs> truly sometimes it's years later that you're like, ah, that was a delayed one. <laughs> Yeah, you know what you remind me of? So um, a good friend of mine in the US, Eden Sassoon, she said this the other day, and, and you just remind me of this. It's like, you know when you know that you know that you're just, you're in this whole different level of your journey. And when you meet somebody and you talk, like <laughs> this conversation could go on for hours because it's just, you just, you're on that whole different frequency. And she once said to me, she said, you know what, the external stuff, it's a byproduct, all that. She said, I'd actually rather go and sit under a tree and talk about life and about feelings and where we actually, and I was like, you know, what? I'm going to join you in that tree. Cause when you meet that conversation just gets so in depth and like, we've just gone so deep in that past hour, just like, these are the conversations. And I said to myself, it, it came to notion the other day, a friend who I'd met on Clubhouse, this app, known him. He actually said the other day that he'd been struggling six weeks ago. And I was like, again, this is a whole cycle that brought to me because I lost a friend and we didn't see the signs. And I said to him, why didn't you reach out to somebody? It was like, well, again, as a guy, but like I said, but what you was posting on social media, I was like, you know that you could have reached out to me. And it actually made me sit back, reevaluate this campaign as well and say, Glenn, 
the guy who's running it, you need to try and go even deeper with yeah. people. Like, yeah. Because it's these conversations we can talk on a surface level, but it's it's getting past that kind of surface superficial level and going in. But with you, from when we first met and the image went out and there was a huge response to your image, by the way, it, incredible. And I asked you that question once then, but through these past few years and and like you've openly said, some of the stuff that you've been put through, through the past year, what does it now or what could you say is being imperfectly perfect to you? <laughs> if I had to uh, give it just two words, it's being a human being. <laughs> so I could put a full stop there, but we know that I love to chat, so let me elaborate. Um, <clears throat> no, for me, I think imperfectly perfect means to see the beauty and the value that comes with being your most real, raw, vulnerable, uh, extremely messy at times and complex self. I think now more than ever, people not only uh, need, but they want uh, relatable, real and relatable, not fake and unattainable. And I love that. And I, I it's something I remind myself all the time, like people want and need that more than ever and and that means bearing all your sides and all your truths and all your stories and all your colors um I, I think sometimes the things that we think are the most shameful or embarrassing or weakest parts of ourselves are actually what makes us us and it won't make it's what makes us stand out it what brings us um, opportunities and it also enables another person to feel comfortable or safe to you know, express how they're feeling or that they're not alone with what they're going through. So I truly believe um, that what we deem to be our imperfections, whether that be um, about ourselves or an experience that we've been through, it usually ends up being our superpower. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Wow, if, yeah. If you, look at, if you look at anything that you've been through or or what kind of made you feel broken, for so many people, that's that's what makes them unique and that's what brings them their greatest success. And um, and I think if we can tap into that more and and rewire and change the narrative for ourselves, like how powerful. I'll I'll tell you, I, oh, this is one you can do with your clients. Um I actually, I don't know whether it was epiphany or something and I was sleeping one night and my kind of life replayed itself and it worked out everything that I'm doing now from when I was at college and uni, I worked in hospitality to get through that. I actually got let go from the job because I stood up for the people who didn't have a voice. They was making us working crazy hours. And I was like, you know, this is illegal. We can't do that. Anyway, the next day they let me go, but I stood up for it, went to tribunal and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. But it transitioned me into a world of fitness. I went to the gym the next day. They offered me a job. I moved into it. Bill, I found um, body combat, this Les Mills stuff. Always wanted to move to New Zealand where it originated from. After my mum and dad separated, like years later, she got with this guy. They moved to New Zealand, which transitioned me to New Zealand. I suddenly picked up photography and I love taking pictures of people to share their story. And then there was another aspect where I moved into construction to do this, stood up and had a voice for the little people. And then the campaign. So it all came to full fruition through yeah. photography, visual media, moving to New Zealand. And I'm like, 
So I urge you after this, or when you're just, just have a look at everything you've done, every step to where you are now. And you'll just be like, wow. I honestly, I honestly do. And um, because I just find it so intriguing and sometimes I need to not think about it too much because <laughs> it's one of those things oh. where you're like, what's the meaning of life? But like, <laughs> looking at all the sliding door moments and that is what it is it's like sliding door moments and decisions we make and sometimes what the universe and doesn't matter if you're spiritual not spiritual whatever that means for you but like a something greater than ourselves makes for you or throws you off path or kicks you down which you feel like you're failing or, or you're at your lowest but really it's just like this pivotal moment of growth or change or actually just pushing you in the right direction and I know that's hard at the time and I don't think it's this easy fun enjoyable thing like it sucks but if you can find this little glimmer of hope of being like okay something this is happening for a reason and like I said not everything happens for a reason some things are just downright shit but yep. I think <laughs> I think finding that little bit of hope of like, what is this here to teach me? Or like, you know, I wonder when I'll find out why this is happening or it, it, it becomes like a tiny element of excitement. And I sometimes, you know, work with people and I hear that everything is rock bottom for them, like career and relationships and everything just feels like it's all happening at once. And because I've been there when like, you feel like one thing goes wrong, like everything goes wrong. I sort of say to them, I'm like, they're a little part of you that's a bit excited that we're purging all at the same time <laughs> because I actually get to a point if everything's all crumbling at once where I've been at that point in the past, that I get to a point where there's almost a little bit of like, ah, oh, let's just get it all out of our system at once. Like the, the living space is changing and my career is changing and my relationship's ending. Like at least it's all detoxing because then we can just, work through it, purge it, and then we can just start moving up without getting here and then that crumbles and then we get here, and you know. So sometimes I'm like, sometimes rock bottom can be what we need. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, though? That is why you're probably highly sought after as a coach and why you do well <sighs> because I think getting people to step into the truth, as you see, again, with highlights, marketing, all this, and I, I talk to a lot of coaches as well, and they skirt around the issues. And at some time, you just need to address it front on. But it's amazing what you do. Where can people find out more information about you, your coaching, uh, your events, every, everything? Thank you. Well, all of the websites are under construction at the moment. Uh, Live Your Life is my coaching. Um, and so it's getting built at the moment. And then Girls Who Glow, um, we're just doing that up. So there will the Girls Who Glow website will be up and running, um, back up and running. But for now, I suppose my social media is just somewhere where you can track uh everything so um my handle oh my god I feel like I'm plugging I am if that, it's Liv Filand if you want to come hang out um and then we also have a girls who glow account as well on Instagram but yeah hopefully all those websites will be up and running soon enough I've just thought of another job you can do if if anybody needs an idea for a name for a business you're pretty good at that girls at glow live your life <laughs> yeah Girls Who Glow took about six months, so uh, don't be coming <laughs> to me for a quick name. Um, it was it was a mission, but I love it so much. Whereas Live Your Life um, was yeah very organic. I was just wrote Live Filand 
um, into a little graphic section. And, um, and then I moved away, came back to my laptop and just wrote live your life instead. And then Still. Uh, like a month later, I was like, I do coaching. And I was like, oh, live your life. Um, so yeah. It's so please don't come to me with your business naming opportunities because I'm actually really bad at it. <laughs> oh dear. Well, you know what? I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it by thanking you. Um, I'm gonna put all your links up, but just because like we had such a good conversation, I want everyone to be reminded. Um, I'm gonna say something that I read the other day that I think is really good uh, just to end this podcast with. But before we go, I'm gonna put all the links up to Liv. Um, thank you so much for being a part of the campaign. Always being an advocate, using your platform going above and beyond uh, very grateful and guys please keep having the hard conversations because it's the hard conversations that leave um that, that keep people going and that just came out totally wrong there <laughs> so i'm gonna have to re-record that bit but hey so i'm gonna read this last go bit. Again. i know i know exactly so i'm gonna read this because i think it's just so profound i think so what we was talking about it kind of sums it all up so I remind myself today that just because people are getting things that I may want quicker than me does not mean that it's still not possible for me. My timeline is not the same as theirs. It is still possible for me. And there is a reason why it is not coming into my life right now. There's a reason I don't have it right now. What I can remind myself is it will come. I will walk and I'll remember the things that I'm grateful for and the lessons that I'm learning along my journey. Oh, my God. God, send that to me, please. When I heard it, I was like, boom, like just shivers. And it's so true because of this comparison syndrome and everything. I'm just like, yep. So what if someone's someone's there? So, And and it's it's like that stop comparing um, your chapter one to somebody's chapter 20 because we all have our own timeline and um, it's never too late to start. Oh my God, we're so inspiring. Hands in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, I'm going to put the links up, but until next time, stay safe and keep having the hard conversations. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.